Welcome to the Satellite Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay. Today I'm coming to you to discuss an issue that is quite prevalent right now as we come to the end of Pride Month, and that is the issue of same-sex attraction in light of the Christian faith. So I wanted to take this time to interview a longtime friend of mine who has struggled with same-sex attraction and get some perspective from him on how he balances his attraction with his Christian sexual ethic. For the sake of my friend's privacy, we've decided not to use his name, but I hope you hear, listen, and learn, and I hope it leads to some really good and encouraging growth and conversation. All right, Bo, so I wanted to start with this question, and it's just a very generic one, but what ethic governs your sexual behavior? In other words, what standard do you apply to that area of your life? And I know that when we've had conversations about this in the past, you've talked about how there are multiple different sexual ethics that people the same sex sexual ethics that people view. So maybe you could touch on that a little bit also. Yeah, it's, it's more complicated. Although I would say for the believer, it's still fairly black and white, but there's some nuance to it, even in people's beliefs. So mm-hmm. um, for me personally, I hold to an Orthodox sexual ethic, um, traditional sexual ethic. I don't like to say, you know, I don't like to put like any type of political spin on it, but Unfortunately, with this topic, politics has been infused with it. So I'm sure we'll touch yeah. on it a little bit. Yeah. But um, but the traditional sexual ethic of yeah. man and woman, that doesn't mean that I'm an exemplar of that all the time or even most of the time. Um, I've got my own demons that I face, but um, I think that that is the sexual ethic that rings true. I think that's something that the word uh, says is true. And as, as much as I deviate or my natural bent deviates from that, I, I had one person tell me, and, and this will kind of dovetail into the various different identities that this can have. He was giving me this uh, opinion about how, you know, using this, the, uh, the snake and the stone analogy that Jesus was giving and kind of using that as that, that Jesus would affirm a lifestyle such as this. And I, I heard that argument. I've heard that argument before. Huh. I was just okay. never, I was never really convinced of it just because that's an interpretation of that scripture. And I'm not, if I'm ever going to be persuaded on this subject, I need to be persuaded by the word, not necessarily mm. someone's interpretation. Mm. If there's some, if there's some translation out there or some other context that I'm missing, believe me, I'm all ears, but I haven't heard one yet. And you know what, man, this raises one of the issues that I think is, is makes this whole thing difficult. It's that the church has made this the taboo sin of all taboos in this era, you know, back in the nineties, we grew up in the the religious right, moral majority. It was don't drink and don't smoke and don't have sex. And now as we moved into the 2000 aughts and the 2010s, this became the pet sin. And so it's a sin above all other sins among Christianity right now. And it, it's just interesting. And of course, now it's shifting, it's starting to shift to racism. That has to do with the identity politics things we've always talked about. But it, it makes it even more difficult for someone that struggles with attraction because it's like, no, no, no. If you want to be ostracized, this is the sin of all sins that will get you ostracized. And even on the way we share the gospel, because when you hear someone dealing with same such attraction, I've seen this in a youth group. It's clean that up and then come to Jesus and not come to Jesus as you are. Let him minister to whatever your burdens are, period, point blank. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would, 
I would disagree with you a little bit about this being the sin of all sin in the 2000s, me being who I'm attracted to. Um, I don't want to necessarily take on the moniker gay. Um, if I do say gay, it's lowercase g. Um, it's, you know, I guess for me, being aware of what I, what I wrestled with, this was the sin of all sin. Uh, for me, even in the 90s, um, I was hmm, scared okay. to death. I was scared to death of my Christian community, even though they were fairly, they were fairly open. Um, they were more charismatic. So I think sometimes charismatics tended to be not necessarily more accepting, but I kind of felt like they were more radical in their love of people hmm, um, okay. just to some extent. And sometimes yeah, yeah. that went sideways a little bit, but I would say the more uptight Southern Baptists were definitely, yes. were definitely yeah. the more, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to tell anybody I'll yeah. die before I tell anybody. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's become this and, um, it's become increasingly, although I, I kind of, I kind of sense a shift in it. Um, mm. I kind of sense a shift in the church because there seems to be more acceptance and that's not something mm-hmm. I'm totally happy with because then it's an acceptance with, it's like a blanket acceptance. And so we'll get into mm. that in a little bit, but as far as like the different identities within, I would say it's, you know, I hate, the LGBT community in a sense of, I hate the whole community aspect of it because it assumes that everyone in this community or, and, and my politics is going to come out in just a little bit, but community just sounds <laughs> freaking communist. Um, and that's why a lot of this has a lot of a Marxist bent to it. Um, but for gay Christians, and I'm just going to use that colloquially. I'm not asking anyone to agree with the term. For some reason, gays love to put letters by their name. Um, so gay Christians <laughs> like to do that as well. And so there's the LGBTs. Yeah. And then within gay Christianity, there's side B. Now, mm-hmm. side B are Christians who think um, homosexuality is acceptable, just as heterosexuality. Right. You get some, but you get some even nuances when that, and I'm not an expert in all this, because like I said, I, I don't like communities, but uh, so side B some of them hold to a orthodox sexual ethic of sex, essentially, I mean, it's rare, but no sex before marriage and that includes mm-hmm. gay or straight. Yeah. And then there's some side A Christians who are just free for all, you know, love is love and they don't really, there's not really distinction between anything. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's something called side B Christians. Now side B Christians are people who have accepted who they are that they realize that there's not gonna, there's no really changing their sexuality outside of a miracle. Um, and they choose either uh, celibacy or they find a partner of the opposite sex that they are attracted to for, mm-hmm. okay. for the most part. Yeah. And so they call that mixed orientation relationships. And those can be difficult. Um, I think both parties need to understand what they're signing up for. Yeah. But but the side B has kind of taken on this has kind of almost taken on the identity of the LGBT community mm, as okay. primary. And that's okay. kind of Christianity has kind of been secondary. Hmm. Um, and then the side B is also allowed in more of the trans transgender queer folk. And it just seems like it's a bunch of, it just seems like LGBTQ people who just don't have sex and, it's just like, well, that's not appealing. Um, and so 
Then there's the side why. This is something that I learned recently, side why Christians, okay. where they don't necessarily use terminology of gay, lesbian, bisexual. They say same-sex attractive. Okay. And I think the reason why they do that is they don't want to put on that identity outside of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. I which like I, I get, but at the same time, I'm um, gay is so one syllable and I like minimal syllables. So same <laughs> sex attracted, that's five. I don't have, I've only have so many syllables. So, I mean, I'll say it, but I've just, I, and I get why they say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but at the same time, it's a way of, it's a way of identifying yourself. So these are the, they're essentially side B Christians, side Y are side B Christians, but they don't take on that identity. Okay. And I would think that they're probably not really hit to transgender or, gender fluid or whatever the heck is out there. Um, And then there's side X Christians. These are the kind of the more extreme Christians who can't, they don't, it's not necessary, but they believe in conversion therapy. And for those of you that don't know, conversion therapy is essentially a therapy that tries to get you to be, to detach from the same sex attraction and attach to opposite sex attraction. So heterosexuality. Um, research and I know sec- scary research out there on um, the Christians don't like a lot of Christians don't like it. Conversion therapy doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah. Um, inside inside why Christians and if they don't necessarily discourage conversion therapy, they don't recommend it because a lot of the conversion therapist people, it's almost like they take the opposite approach of a homosexual or a lesbian in that in order to be saved, you have to be straight. And we both know that's not true. Right. And so I remember there's a, there's a great lecture on YouTube with Tim Keller. Someone asked him point blank, why do gays go to hell? And he said, but being straight doesn't make you go to heaven. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. And so, um, and so I I definitely don't necessarily side with the side X. They have this kind of, I think there's a distinction between hating your sin and being like self-loathing. And I tend to Mm. think Based on my limited, like I said, I don't really dip into these communities, but based on what I say, a lot of side X Christians are very just, they're almost like Westboro Baptist Church-ish. I can't get this vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not accusing yeah. them 100%, but I can't yeah. get that vibe. So, um, you know, within within that, that there's, there's, you know, I know diversity is a bad word these days because it usually <laughs> means, it usually has a political um, yeah. Yeah. aspect or it has a political connotation attached to it. But there's a lot of diversity within um, gay Christians. Yeah. Um, I would say side B and side Y are very rare. Um, side mm. B's norm- normally end up going side A. Um, we're leaving the faith entirely. Um, mm-hmm. I was in, I'm still involved in a side B community on social media. I'm not going to get more specific than that. But a lot of them are just, they get kind of bogged down with intersectional politics. And they... Yeah. I don't really see a difference between, you know, a secular intersectional, I would say more intersectionally influenced person versus a side B influenced person at this point. I'm sure they're out there, but I'm just, I'm not sure about that. So for those of you that didn't know, you know, you, there, there are celibate Christians out there. They would prefer to be anything else, but first they can't. And there's no, there's no really place for them in the church. And you can kind of, if there's no place for you, you can kind of see why they would choose side A or leave the faith entirely. That comes back to question three, mm-hmm. which is what are some of the challenges 
that you face while trying to glorify God in this area of your life. Could you go ahead and touch on that? One of the things that I know you talked about is just the isolation. And I, I would say, and I haven't, I wouldn't say I've been much of a practicing Christian for the past couple of years. And this is a big, a big part of it, but that's also, you know, some things that I've let go fall by the wayside. Although I do in the current age, I do find myself being kind of wooed back. I would think by the Holy spirit to come back and really pursue this, but differently. Um, but I would say that one of some of the greatest challenges that gay Christians, and like I said, I use that colloquially um, because I don't like five syllables. I like one. Um, and I mean, by gay, I mean, lesbian, bisexual, um, and I'll, and if we have time, I'll touch on transgender and gender issues. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you the biggest challenge and I'll, and I'll tell it with a story. So I was deathly afraid in high school and in the beginning of college to come out to anybody. And it wasn't like a, I need to come out and announce myself to the world. I always hated that. I've never liked that part of the LGBT. I admired the nineties gays who were just like, yes, we're gay. And we'd like to partner up and please leave us alone. Um, And I don't want to hear from you and you don't have to hear from us. So I was like, "Hmm." you know, there's part of me that was really sympathetic to that, but I was definitely afraid of religious people because I've heard the Adam and Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, which yeah, you know, if yeah. I've had a little bit of to drink, that actually is kind of funny, but it's so cliche <laughs> at this point. And I've, yeah. I'm, you know, I've, I've witnessed the Westboro Baptist church and how they've kind of poisoned some of the dialogue with that. But I tell you, but I, I came out to a couple of close friends in college um, and more and more, but it wasn't like a, Hey, you know, it wasn't like a Facebook post. God, I can't stand social media coming out things. It's so <laughs> sidetracked. There's this one guy who came out, I think he's in his mid late twenties or early thirties. And he, he, it's like, well, we all knew, um, just by, you know, basic observation, but he was a, uh, gay white man. And when he came out, I was just like, this isn't the 90s, buddy. Like you coming out now is essentially showing off your new shoes. It's just it's <laughs> it's just something that everybody does now. But but uh, but going but going back to that, my biggest fear was probably when gay marriage was codified in by the Supreme Court. And I wasn't afraid because I told the people that I care about or the people that I that my friends that I care about, um, I wasn't afraid of the evangelical Christians at that point, I was afraid of the LGBT community. And the reason why I was afraid was because, oh no, what if they find out that I'm gay and I believe in an orthodox sexual Mm. ethic? Now, evangelical Christians, I think I've gotten better at, they still don't know what to do with people like me, but they're very cordial. They're very accepting in a sense. They're kind of accepting, um, (laughs) <laughs> they're kind of accepting in a way that high that middle schoolers dance at a, in a in, at a prom is that they keep each other. There's there's room for the Holy Spirit and maybe some other spirits as well. But they 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 keep they kind of keep you at a distance because they don't know what to do with me, and that's okay. I know I'm an anomaly. I know I'm not necessarily somebody um, who you deal with on a regular basis. Although I'm not out to many people, so to speak. Um, but I was like, oh no, I'm going to be found out by the LGBT community and the quote allies, another word. I mm. um, and because they're going to persecute me and shame me for not being with a man. 
And I remember telling my therapist at that time, um, by the way, who was not a conversion therapist. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because he was a Christian therapist and he said, Bo, I'm not here to make you straight. And I really appreciated that mm. because he knew yeah, yeah. he knew that that my problems would still be many if I were straight. But but going back to that, it's I was afraid. I've been afraid for a while. But uh, because like I had a boss who's very, you know, LGBT friendly ally, child, and just like, what if she finds out that I like dudes and I don't date them? And so that bothered me. And it still does to this day. Um, but then I, I see the church kind of stand neutral on it. They, they hold to the orthodox way of things, which is good, but there's no place. Mm-hmm. There's still no place for me. And I'm not mm-hmm. asking to change doctrine. I'm not asking to, I'm not asking for a flag, a certain flag to be flown in the church. Yeah. I'm just like, what the big, and you, the question is, what are the biggest challenges you face in glorifying God or just living the sexual ethic? Where is my community at? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone pairs off eventually to get married and have kids. Where's, where's my church family at? And, and it's, it sucks because it's like, I have to, and I don't want, and I don't say this to shoo her in and like, accept me. But what I am saying is that if side Y Christians or gay Christians are going to stay celibate and choose not to do mixed orientation marriages, what community is out there within the church for them? I'm also reminded, I'm a big Tim, Tim Keller fan. Um, he did this, he was talking about justice issues, but in a, in a biblical sense. And there was this story about this missionary who came down to a city in South America, I believe, and say, and this prostitute um, accepted Jesus and really turned her life around. And then the missionary left. He comes back a couple of years later and she's back to prostitution. And he said, well, what was wrong with you? It's like, where is your faith? He's like, she's like, you know, I believe and I have my faith, but I'm also in this culture and I have nowhere, I have no way to make money. And so what he was saying is that I think we need to change some of the structures of which, in which Christianity falls in, in order to accommodate people, because life of celibacy, I can tell you, is very hard and it's very lonely. And like, for me, who takes care of me when I get older? Where are my kids? Church isn't going to take care of me. You know, I mean, I have family. Um, I I don't really talk about it much. I'm not really out to them, although they know, I think they're, they're kind of agnostic on, on this issue. I mean, they're definitely, I would say they're definitely pro LGBT, but, but, um, Blissfully ignorant, perhaps. Not necessarily. I just I, I don't okay. think they I don't think they believe the same way I believe. Um, okay. And so, I, as I'm looking, as I get older, it's like, dang, you know, I'm, it's like I got to really build up my savings account for a really nice nursing home because, you know, I'm not going to have really like I have my family. I hope hopefully my family will take care of me um, as I get older. But like, where are my kids? You know, I don't have any kids. I and you know, who's yeah. going to take care of me? And so. And it's, and that's, I would say that's a big challenge is the isolation. And I would say another challenge Mm -hmm. is when I see guys out there married to women and having a family, it's like, I, there's that spark, Mm -hmm. there's that spark in me and it is in there. Um, It's like, man, I envy that early do. 
and I know envy is a sin at the same time. It's like, I can see that drive in me to be a dad, but I can't really fulfill it in a way that, that I feel like I'm, I was born this way. Um, there's, and I know the research is out still on whether homosexuality is you're born this way or it's, yeah. it's nurture. Um, actually science is still, the, the jury's still out on that. While you're there though, will you address one question? And this is while you're already there. Cause this is one of the questions that I had for you. What would you say to someone who says that your same sex attraction was a choice? Um, if I can usually tell what they mean, if, if I'm in person with them and after mm-hmm. maybe about five minutes of talking to them, if they seem like they're kind of a compassionate person, I kind of know where they're coming from in okay. that homosexuality, the act is a choice in a sense that heterosexual and heterosexuality is a choice when you act on it. And I, I always understood this from the get go that my, my behaving in a sexual way was always a choice. But I think what got lost in translation, I think what got lost in mass media is that when Christians said it's a choice, and, and to some extent, I, I do believe that a lot of evangelicals in like 70s and 80s thought that this was a choice. But I, I would, but, mm-hmm. but if yeah. I'm sensing that mm-hmm. they're saying that you're, I'm choosing to engage, I'm choosing to be attracted this way, I would like to say, at what age did you choose to be straight? Yeah. At what age yeah. did you choose to be attracted to women. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't met anybody in a while who, who thinks that way, but I I say, I asked, I still exist. I I asked that question Mm -hmm. because, and then they'll probably say, well, it was just, I didn't choose it. It was natural to me. I was like, exactly. There was not a fork in the road where I chose to be attracted to dudes. Okay. You know, crystal clear Pepsi did not make me gay. (laughs) Um, <laughs> showbiz pizza place did not make, you know, all these things did not make me, did not make me gay. I, I did not choose this. Why would I choose this? I've prayed several times in the, in the past to take this away. It has not been taken away. When Christians say that it is a capital C choice, I think they're, I, I don't think they even believe that themselves because they can't explain then if this is a choice, then they can't answer the question. When did they decide, like, did they have at one point in their life, did they have the ability to go gay? Why didn't you choose to be gay? And they'll probably get really uncomfortable with that question. Yeah. Um, Although I will say this as a side note, sexually, sexual orientation being a choice is making a comeback, not necessarily from the, I would say the religious community, but I would say the more intersectional crowd with transgender stuff, because they're saying that it's not sexuality that's a choice. It's genital preference is a social construct. And it is, it is reinforced by cis heteronormative society, white cis heteronormative Christian society. So essentially what they're saying is it's a very roundabout way of saying who you're attracted to is a choice. So that hasn't hit the scene quite yet. It's mostly an online thing and it's mostly an academic thing. But all the things that you're seeing in schools, Drag Queen Story Hour, all this stuff comes from academia. All of it comes from College of Education on academic schools. So get ready. I would say in the next five years, you're about to see a, an assault launched on even gays, lesbians, and bisexuals to say 
men are attracted to men because they've been socially constructed to be that way because now they're going after the binary, which is, yeah. which is male attracted to female, female attracted to male or female to female, male to male. So what you're seeing now is a split within the LGBT community to where many L- lesbians, gays, and bisexuals want to drop the T and the Q off. Um, yeah. In fact, if you go on Twitter, some of the most anti-groomer, anti-sexuality and gender ideology in schools, being taught in schools, a lot of that is being fought by either right-leaning or conservative or libertarian gays, lesbians, and bisexuals. Like the, that and, <laughs> oddly enough, conservative Christians. They've kind of joined, yeah. if you haven't, if you don't know this, it's coming. And the media is going to say that it's just Christians doing it. No, there's a big gay and lesbian bisexual community or people pushing back because they're essentially what they're saying. Essentially, if you don't date trans people, then you're transphobic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and I think you said it earlier. There's a lot of people who are same-sex attracted that just want to have their mm-hmm. same-sex relationship, be married, share their insurance and taxes and be left alone. They don't care about indoctrinating the entire world, but it's the loud Mm -hmm. lunatic fringe that is pushing forward the engine of social change. The the only thing about fringe groups is that this fringe group is now mainstream. This 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 is now the culture. And so the the long Mm. march through the institutions, this this is now mainstream. You're seeing it in your entertainment um, and 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 you're seeing it in schools. uh, Mm. And so. Is it came from the traditional orthodox religious ethics of sexuality. Now it's coming for the binary of sexuality. It's coming from gay. It's coming. It came for Christians. Now it's coming for gays, lesbians, and bisexuals as well. But you know, coming coming back, you know, to that, it's 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 tough because the church seems to be in a lot of areas caving to this either accepting gay marriage or, or affirming gay and lesbian relationships and saying that's just as legitimate as straight relationships. Um, and it's tough because it's such a fine line. It's such a fine line to kind of, it's like dancing on the head of a pen. It's like, I would hope an Orthodox church would be accepting, but not affirming of gays and lesbians. Like this is, this is what we believe this is our creed. We follow this. You're welcome. And we'll provide space for you to talk through this with other people. But I think, you know, the worst thing that a church could do for, for someone like me is, is, is kind of cut my legs off on both ends. Like on the one side, you're accepting, but there's no place for me. And then the other thing that you could do, which I think is worse, or I think is equally worse, is just accept mm. that this is just as valid and God affirming as between man and woman. And I kind of feel that's kind of what's ostracized me a lot from the church is because, I mean, you see, <laughs> I think, uh, I think the only people that could probably sympathize with gay Christians or celibate Christians or celibate gay Christians is single people. <laughs> uh, because, Marriage is promoted as well it should be, but uh, no one really, no one, I don't, I don't see many churches promoting or promoting uh, Paul's way of living life. Yeah, you don't. You do, you do not hear mm-hmm. singleness preached as a viable option. Right. There was a great Babylon B article. Person gets married in church, finally gets 
finally gets elevated to real Christian, <laughs> which is their, their funny way of saying, Hey, you really do treat your single people like crap. Like y'all, you treat them like second class citizens and let's not even get into the celibate gay Christians and lesbian Christians who are really wanting to live a godly life and there's no place for them. You talked about what's not helpful from the church. And that, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you. So let me ask you the other side of it. What is helpful and or encouraging for believers to say and do? Um, hmm. Watch okay. your language. Reserve gay jokes only for uh, oh, the gays that you know in your group. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you got to know them first before um, before you use that. No, just just kind of just just realize that they're out there and that you need to be welcoming. They're very sensitive on this topic, and they can they can tune in to if all right. This is your this is your third rant on on homosexuality and like in 30 minutes, I'm getting the sense that if I were to open up to you, you probably would, you know, blast me on social media. You'd probably just give me a lecture. It's like celibate gays and lesbians. Yes, we know everything. We don't know everything about homosexuality, but we already know what the Bible says. So if you come at us with that, it's just like you're pushing against an open door. If you keep (laughs) pushing, you might just push us away. But the, the Christians that I have that I have opened up to have been welcoming and they're, so they're, they're true Christians who are out there who are w- welcoming, yeah, yeah, but they okay. don't know what to do. And so be, be open to just being okay and saying, dude, I love you. Um, I don't know what to do. Do you want to just come hang out sometime? And do you want to be part of my family or do you want to be, you know, do you, you know, because that's what that's what celibate gays are looking for is family. Um, and we have, you know, a lot of us, you know, <laughs> with homosexuality being mainstream in our culture, your families might actually be affirming when you don't want to be. And so it's like my faith says this isn't allowed. So um, there's not a whole lot for a celibate gay or lesbian to to hold on to. So you'd mentioned the idea that like. And this is something that I've said before, like when someone says it's a choice, your sexuality is you made a good point in saying the choice is in how I express my sexuality. That's true for any human being. And I've said this for years. You used to always hear you can't help you who you fall in love with. And I think I said this to you the other day. That's a lie. Falling in love takes work. You can't help who you're attracted to. Like you cannot help who you're attracted to. A lot of times we're attracted to people that aren't healthy for us, as we all know. But like, (laughs) but like. You can't help you're attracted to, but falling in love is work. That takes, that's a choice. That takes effort. And I think that what you've expressed so well is that the call for the believer is to die to self. And so that means putting to death anything of the flesh that I don't believe glorifies God. In your case, you have the conviction that expressing my sexuality in this certain way does not glorify God. Therefore, I will die to self in that and say, Lord, this is worth sacrificing for the sake of the gospel and for your glory. And that's the same thing that the heterosexual person should be doing when they want to have sex with their fiance or their girlfriend or their boyfriend. Like it's the same call. Now, what you express those, why it's so much difficult, so much more difficult for me. I waited a long time, but there was always light at the end of the tunnel. I knew that there was going to be someday when I would get that expression and that community and that companionship. And for you, you sit there and say, Lord, 
When is it coming? What do I do? And I want people to hear that because that is so, so important, which is why you need to tell people, this is how you love me. This is how you take care of me. This is how you care for other people that are where I am. And I'm so thankful for our friendship and that you're educating me on how to be a better brother and friend to you. And this is something that really challenged me is I had a, and I told you this, but I had a department chair a few years ago that was a lesbian and absolutely loved the Lord. I mean, had the Bible on her desk. Anytime you ask her about things, I'm praying for that person. That person needs the gospel, that person needs Jesus. And it really forced me to reevaluate my thoughts on how sexuality relates to the gospel. And I shared this with you, but this is the conclusion I came to. I don't agree with her sexual ethic, but I know this. She knows Jesus. I've seen the fruit. And so I bring that up to someone else. And they say, but if that's a sin, how can she be living in that sin and know Jesus? My response to that, you ever heard of a guy named John Newton? He wrote a song called Amazing Grace. Now, what's interesting is that John Newton, after getting saved, continued to trade slaves for 10 more years. How could he live in that sin if he was truly saved? Southern Baptist Church founded on a split from the Baptist Church over slavery. Their church was literally founded on slavery. Does that mean none of these Southern Baptists were Christians at that time? I don't know. What I think is more likely is that this is an area where their view was not sanctified. Because I believe that being a Christian is based on what you believe about Christ. And I believe that what you believe about Christ is supposed to inform every other area of your life. I also believe that people have blind spots. They believe lies that lead them into following sinful behavior and even living in sin, despite the fact that they do truly know Jesus. But what we like to do is say, no, with that sin, if you do that one, yeah. you can't know Jesus if you do that one. Yeah, that's totally. I think it gets reinforced by people's like particularly guys who are kind of repulsed by it. So they put their or their revulsion. It's like, oh, see, I'm, re I'm repulsed by it. it. It must be God honored. I'm just like, it's like, mm, that, that's, uh, there's a lot of things that, that other people are repulsed by in mm -hmm. your behavior that you, you accept, you know? But even what's revulsive shifts as the culture shifts. Like there was a time where they wouldn't even show, this is 50 years ago, where they wouldn't even show a man and woman sharing the same bed on television because that was revulsive to the culture. Now, anything short of actual mm -hmm. penetration on TV and in movies is just a PG-13 rating. <laughs> and so even what's revolt re revolting is shifting over, over the course of decades and decades. And we talk about this, how to some extent in normalizing homosexual activity, the result is that homosexuals are losing some of their status as a protected class. Because that behavior is being normalized so much that now, as you said, a transgender is the new gay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, but but going back to something you said, I think it was really good because it's not when you talk about light at the end of the tunnel of waiting uh, for the straight man. Um, it's 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 the same. It's the same sacrifice, but it doesn't. It's it's. I, I would say it's it's experience totally different. So from it's almost like a, almost like a double sin. And I don't mean it in, I don't mean that in its deepest form. I mean that it's like a double whammy for me because it's not a sin for you to express your natural instinct and your natural mm -hmm. God-given desire to sleep with a woman. 
it's only sinful when it's outside of the context of marriage. Correct. Correct. For me, it is both sinful to out to to express outside and within. Mm. So both of those things are cut off. Whereas for the straight man or straight woman, only one avenue is cut off. Mm. And so That's really good. And so understanding that, really sitting with that, what are you asking or what does the gospel require gay and lesbian and bisexual Christians? What are, what are they, what are they offering up? What are they sacrificing? It's not necessarily, you know, if I sacrifice my sexuality and having sex with people I'm attracted to, it's not like I'm going to get a bigger crown in heaven, but it is a bigger burden on earth, a huge burden on earth. And it doesn't help that the church so promotes marriage in such a way that it's just always this wonderful thing. And it should be, it should be the goal of every man and woman to marry and have kids. I understand the biblical mandate from Genesis, but there's also what Paul says, if you know, if you could, if you can stay single, it's almost like the church just kind of flings it in my face of like marriage, marriage, marriage. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so you're asking me, the gospel is asking, and you're asking me to give up something that is natural to me, even if it's an inordinate or it's a warped desire. It's still a desire that comes naturally for me. It's not a choice. I will keep this uh, PG, but there are some objective scientific standards to prove that when I'm attracted to a man, things happen. When you are attracted to a woman, things happen. You can't argue. It's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not choosing to be sexually attracted at the moment. This is something that has happened to me since I can remember. And it's not something that I can control. If I could, I would have gotten rid of it a long time ago, but I can't. And when I see, and, and I'm tempted, I am tempted. Like, luckily, I think I have a natural repulsive personality that's kept all suitors away in general. Um, and and I, 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 would, I would say I'm mostly gay, but there have been times in my life where I have been attracted to a woman. Um, oddly, I, oddly enough, uh, Black women um, yeah. are, kind of, <laughs> are kind of my thing, sort of. You know, I've had opportunities to act out on guys, but I have with guys, not on guys, but with guys. Yeah. And I have it. Um, but I, I got to say, as I get older, it, it becomes more, it's not an option in the long run, but it seems, it seems, I, I, I understand it. I, I, I understand yeah. the whole, yeah. because it's, I'm not looking to go on a, on a, a pride parade. I know that we've got about two and a half hours left on the repulsiveness of pride. <laughs> Um, which I, my birth month, of course. Yes. Well, well, I can't wait for American pride month, which is in July. So I'm going to be just as obnoxious. Um, but, but, but I prefer that because at least it's, it's more inclusive. Um, so, but I get, I get why people lead side a and it's not, Mm. and yes, it, is it, is it that they're putting their sexuality or their desires above the gospel? Yeah, it is. I think it is. 
at the same time, do I understand it? Hell yeah, I do. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's man, it goes back to it. Man was not created to be alone. Wow. Yeah. And so I felt like I was born with the cards stacked against me. That my avenues of love have been primed from birth and have been shut off at the pass. Now, whether God did that in his grand design, I don't know. Um, you know, people are born with all kinds of cards stacked against them, health issues, deformities, things like that. Unfortunately, it's not sinful to be any of those deformities. It's not sinful right. to, you know, come into this world and have things stacked against you. This is, I think, and I, I, I think I opened with this when I first talked to you about this. I think this is the cruelest sin. I really do. It's not fair. You did say it's, that. It's, 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 not, it's not fair. And it hurts because I am inclined to love in this manner. And this is not an option for me. And it's not, it's not the penultimate thing in my life. I don't make this a part of my identity, but I get the, I get the appeal because it is part of, it is part of who I am. And I don't necessarily go with the side X Christians who say, Oh, we got to cut this off. We got to suppress, deny, denounce. I'm just like, it is what it is. It's here. There's nothing I can necessarily do about it. I can surrender it to God. That's why it's a living sacrifice because it's always going to try to crawl off the table. But, it's, but it does me no good to try to suppress it or to, to try to deny it. Or better yet, it does me no good to take it so seriously that I even can't laugh at myself or joke about it. But, uh, but yeah, so I, um, I think, I don't know if you saw Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special where he was talking to this um, transgender um, female who is a comedian. I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. It's, it's some of his best stuff. And he's talking about how he doesn't understand her. And he said, and then this woman, her name was Daphne. She said, I don't need you to understand me. I just need you to understand that I'm having a really human moment right now. And there's a big context to that. And then he, and Chappelle said in his, in his own way, I get you. And then used the B word. because I think it was really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not asking anybody to change orthodoxy. I'm not out to change sexual ethics. I believe those sexual ethics. I just want people to understand me and not pity me, but at the same time would cry with me Hmm. who would see that. I understand that this is not, this is a sin unlike any other in that, you know, I don't understand why I would be given this, this inclination to express love in this way and be denied that. I don't understand that. I understand the female and the male aspect. I understand the duality of Adam and Eve and all that other stuff, but it's, it's just because I understand that it still doesn't mean that I don't feel defective in some way or that I've been cheated out of something. And so I just want Christians to understand that I'm not asking you to fly a pride flag. In fact, I'd prefer you not. I'm not asking you to change your sexual ethics, but I am asking you to broaden the space for people like me to exist, the people like me to feel safe 
and don't, you know, don't throw a Jerry Falwell sermon at me. I've heard them. Oh, I've, I've heard everything. Celibate gays are probably more well-versed in this than you are. Um, that, that's kind of how it can be helpful for people like me is to not change, but make some space and cry and be angry with me. When I come to you and I'm like, I'm really hurting right now and I'm really tempted and just say, I don't understand, but I'm here for you and I'll cry with you. You can sleep on my couch or whatever. You know, that's, that's what we want because just, and, and understand what this life is going to cost us that it's going to be for the most part, a lonely life. And, and what's, and what's also difficult about this is there's not a lot of role models for singleness out there. One, and there's no role models for gay celibate singleness either. So you're, you're looking, you're you're looking at a percentage a 0.1% of a 0.1%. And so you don't need to push us away. We're looking for intimacy. You know, we might not be able to get sexual intimacy, but there are other forms of int- intimacy that Amen. that we need. Amen. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's I need that intimacy from my guys. I really do. Mm. We're, we're not going to hit on you. You know, don't. Yeah. Chances are your wife is probably the only person that likes you. I'm sexually attracted to you. <laughs> so don't flatter yourself, sweetheart. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, come on, guys gay men and lesbian women, they're out there. And I understand that makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit because I think it's an exposure thing. If you don't see, you kind of are worried or scared about the things that you're not really exposed to. But if you're welcoming and if you, if you have that welcoming message of acceptance or accepting, I'm not affirming. There's a difference between affirming and accepting. Yes. Um, yes. If you're accepting and you're willing to get your hands dirty in this, you know, that's what we need. We need people to be our family, our church family, because I don't want to be too black pilled about this, but the chances of us dying alone are pretty high. They're really high. Mm -hmm. And I don't think many sell, I don't think many straight Christians would ever consider that. I think some of them probably maybe were called to the celibate life, but chose to get married. And cause, (laughs) cause like, even Paul says, if you're burning with passion, get married. Yeah. So it's just like, well, what do gays do? <laughs> we just no. burn, no. you know, hopefully not for eternity, but we're burning while we're here. And so uh, it, it's tough. And, and, and I want to beat a dead horse, um, but it's, it's tough. It really is. And if you can just understand that and realize that I'm not using that to beat you down, I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for that true empathy of like, man, I, I don't get it, but I do get it. And here, just hang out and let's talk about it. Let's play video games. Let's go work out. Let's kill something, you know, in the, in the woods, of course. Um, just, you know, just, you know, we're, we're not, we're not lepers and we don't want to be treated as such, but we do want some understanding of like, Hey, You've got you've got such a burden off the gate. Let me help you with that. And I know, David, you talked about wanting to put a, a voice filter on me. And I was like, you know what? No, um, I am. I am hiding my identity. But there's probably some people in our circle of friends will recognize who this is. If you want to contact me, that's fine. 
only one death threat per contact, please. Um, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but, but I, you know, I do this because it's, you know, I'm getting up in age and I just don't want to, I want to kind of expand my, my family, my church family. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, thank you for jumping on and sharing this. I am really looking forward to sharing this because I feel like a lot of people need to hear this perspective and hear what the struggle is like. And I'm hoping that legitimately some people's hearts will be changed by hearing this. This has been Dave Bethay with the Satellite Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. <laughs>